Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Balsak, Ferrer, Rinola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on August 5th. Frank Sample joined by the Scotty Dubs, Scott White. Today on the show, Jeffrey Springs gets back on track. Week 19 sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. But let's jump in. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, Scotty. Oh my goodness gracious. Stand out or stand out for Thursday's mm. action. Yes, yes, I do have a combo meal for you today. I'm going to go with a couple of relief pitchers. The one who is most rostered is only 34% rostered in CBS Sports League. So two highly available relief pitchers who may be pivotal closers down the stretch. Uh, and we could use we could use some fresh faces in the contributing to the saves category after the trade deadline and obviously that kind of disrupted the whole closer landscape in fantasy, as it always does. Okay, so one of them is Jonathan Hernandez, who pitched a perfect ninth for the save on Thursday, struck out two. And uh, this was a day after he worked the ninth inning with a two-run deficit and made it a four-run deficit. So he didn't look good in a non-safe situation the night before. But it was good to see him working back-to-back days because he's coming off Tommy John surgery, and sometimes teams are reluctant to do that. It's hard to be a closer if you're not able to do that. This also isn't his first save. It's his second, and I believe he has each of the Rangers' last two. I don't think anybody had one in between. That's correct. Yeah, so uh, he, he might be emerging as the closer now. And like I, I don't, it's not far-fetched, because remember, entering last spring, there was talk that he was going to be I don't think he was officially anointed the closer yet, but there was talk that he was going to be, uh, you know, the primary source for saves for Rangers for the Rangers last year, and then he ended up having Tommy John surgery, and obviously they were having to uh, to figure something else out in the ninth inning all year. Eventually settled on Joe, Joe Barlow at the end of the year after I guess they were working with Ian Kennedy before then. So anyway. Jonathan Hernandez has had the look of a closer and waiting before. Now he's healthy. There are no other obvious choices in that bullpen. Joe Barlow is going to come back at some point very soon, but remember they had already removed him even before he went on the aisle with that blister. So I think it could just be Jonathan Hernandez going forward, and I think he could be pretty good. I don't think he's going to be like a Devin Williams-type reliever or anything, but he could be pretty good. The other is 
Danny Jimenez, back for the Athletics. Of course, he was their closer early earlier this year. Started out very strong, then hit a rough patch, and then wound up on the IL. So was it health-related? Was it just a rough patch? Remains to be seen. But he made his first appearance back from the IL. First appearance since June, I believe. And look great. Struck out the side in the eighth inning. Eighth inning, I'll say, because then Zach Jackson started the ninth inning. Things went very poorly for him, as things tend to do for Zach Jackson because he walks more than six per nine innings. Also has a really high fly ball rate. So I don't really think he is a good fit for the closer role, Zach Jackson. He had to be bailed out by A.J. Puck, who technically got the save. I'm hoping the A's were just easing in Danny Jimenez. Uh, like I said, first appearance off the IL. He looked great. I think he's probably still their best choice to close. And hopefully from this point forward, that's what he'll do. So Jonathan Hernandez, Danny Jimenez, if you're in the market for saves and Felix Bautista's already gone, hopefully Devin Williams is long gone at this point, if your league is up to snuff, then those are two you can look at. Again, that's Jonathan Hernandez and Danny Jimenez. And they are widely available, as you mentioned, Scott. Hernandez, 12% rostered on CBS, and Danny Jimenez, 34% rostered. Who would you rather have between the two if you're just choosing one? Well, Jimenez, I'm sorry, <laughs> said the wrong name. Hernandez plays for the better team, and I think it's clear that he's uh, now the favorite for saves when Jimenez, I'm just hoping it gets back to that. So I would say Her- Hernandez for both reasons. And he's the more available of the two. I believe he's 11% rostered, something like that. 12%. 12%, yeah. So you need to pick him up. Okay, would you take him over Rowan Wick and Ryan Tapera? Yes. I'd would take you- either of these two over Wick and Tapera. How about compared to Mark Melanson? Oh, man. Melanson's so bad. <laughs> sure So is. I guess so. I about- guess I'd take them both over Melanson. How about Hunter Strickland? Yep. How about Kyle Finnegan? Yeah, I mean, after Carl Edwards got the most recent save for the Nationals with Finnegan working the eighth, uh, yeah, I'd say so. All right, and then we start to get into like Tanner Houck and Paul Seawald. Yeah, I think there's a cutoff there. I'd rather have those two than either Hernandez or Jimenez. Yep, I agree. So I think that's that's the right range to, to rank a few of these, hopefully, closers moving forward in Jonathan Hernandez and Danny Jimenez. Oh my goodness gracious, for me, we've got Jeffrey Springs, who was back on track here, his first quality start since June 24th. He was at the Tigers, six innings, two unearned runs, six strikeouts to zero walks. He had 11 swinging strikes, and the overall numbers still look very good for Jeffrey Springs. 2.50 ERA, over a strikeout per inning, only 16 walks in 14 starts. He's got a 13.3% swinging strike rate. The roster rate has dropped quite a bit, Scott. 63% 63% rostered is Jeffrey Springs, and I know you dropped him in your rankings quite a bit. Rightfully mm-hmm. so. We'll talk about that. Next week, he's at the Brewers. They're 25th in Woba against left-handed pitching, so if you just kind of want to pick him up for a start next week, I think it's fine in that matchup. The biggest question here, Scott, will be the innings and the workload down the stretch here for Jeffrey Springs. Last year, he only threw 44 and two-thirds innings. He's already at 79 and, and a third after this start. And he really hasn't handled a big workload since 2017 
when he threw 112 and a third innings that season in the minors, albeit. Uh, so what do you think about this bounce back and maybe what we can expect from Jeffrey Springs moving forward with the Rays? Well, I think Jeffrey Springs is a good pitcher. You gave the underlying numbers. I think that pretty much tells the story. I mean, even just forget the underlying numbers. His ERA, you know, it, it all oh, looks yeah. good. But, yeah, how how deep is he going to go into games? It, that's more the concern as far as the innings go for me is, is less, okay, how, what's the total he's going to finish with? Is, is How many is he going to give you? In each start, he did go six innings this time. It was the first time he had gone six innings since June 24th. I say it all the time. If a pitcher's not able to go six innings with any consistency, of course, nobody goes six innings all the time. Well, Sandy Alcantara does, I guess. He goes eight, <laughs> he goes seven innings all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, other than the the very top aces, nobody goes six innings all the time. But you got to be able to go six innings with regularity. And I just don't think Jeffrey Springs is in a place where he could do that. And maybe that's partly by design to limit the innings so that he doesn't input too many this year. But I think it it makes him pretty fringy in fantasy for as good as the ratios are. Hmm. So I will point out, he returned from injury July 24th. He only threw 78 pitches, four and a third innings in that start. He got up to 92 pitches. His next start after that, he went five innings. And then he was at 85 pitches here on Thursday. So, I mean, if he can live in the 85 to 90 pitch range, he's a pretty good pitcher. He, you know, he might be able to go six innings if, if he's pitching efficiently based on the matchup, whatever it might be. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's, he's kind of a tough one to figure out, but I think if he was dropped, Scott, I'm not saying he's a must add. I still haven't ranked inside like my top 70 starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. I think I would go re add Jeffrey Springs. If he was dropped, I think he's, in that same conversation as like a Nick Lodolo in terms of my interest level in a starting pitcher. Uh, he's below Lodolo for me. I, I, I would have no issues rostering him in a perfect world where I could roster anybody I wanted. But <laughs> no, I mean, he's made, he's made 13 starts overall so far. This is his fourth of six innings and none are more. Like six innings is the longest he's gone, four of 13. Now he was transitioning from the bullpen early on. As you point out, he's coming off the IL now. But I'm just, you know, here we are in August. I'm, I'm just not hopeful he's going to start doing, performing a new trick all of a sudden. You may be right. I may be surprised. But I think in most 12-team scenarios, he's barely making the cut for me at this point, if at all. Would you rather have Jeffrey Springs or Marcus Stroman, who turned in another quality start that's three straight for him? He was at the Cardinals, six and two-thirds, three runs, six strikeouts, two zero walks. And I noticed a pitch mix change. He did not throw his four-seam fastball in this start, a pitch that he has used about 14% of the time this season. And he threw a bunch of sinkers, 51% in this start. Marcus Stroman still 63% rostered. Could be out there in some shallower leagues. Strong matchup next week up against the Nationals. Who do you like better, Stroman or Springs? I like Stroman more, actually. Yeah, his his numbers look pretty good, too, if you eliminate that one start right before he went on the I.L. I've got Springs a little bit higher myself, but I, I could see. Like, I just think Springs is the better pitcher, but... You're yeah. right. Like no, in terms of just innings, like more likely to get a quality start. It is Stroman. Like I, there's, I, I can't dispute that. There's 
It's yeah, so you know, if we were going into a new season and how would I rank these two? I'm I'm looking at springs and obviously when you, when you're going into a new season, you can I don't know if this is necessarily right, but you feel freer to let your imagination run wild and dream of the the best case scenario when you're going through it in the middle of it and you're kind of experiencing things playing out the way they're playing out. I I don't know. I don't have as much imagination in that moment as I do at the start of a new season. And, you know, practically speaking, uh, if, if the Rays plan to make Springs a starter long-term, then theoretically they're going to push him harder next year than they did this year so they can keep building up his inning. So there is a practical element to that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would say, I would say uh, I tend to, I tend to engage with the theoretical a little more at the start of a new season than in season, just as a general rule. You don't have to talk to me about theoreticals because that's how I uh, managed to talk myself into Sean Manaya being much better than he actually <laughs> is. Uh, Johnny Cueto, I imagine, is behind both of these names. He has made 14 starts this season. He has gone six plus innings in 13 of those starts. A very interesting Johnny Cueto-esque line here. At the Rangers, eight innings pitched, 11 hits, three runs, zero walks, four strikeouts. His ERA is 2.91. His XFIP is 4.27. Does not get a lot of strikeouts. Gets a decent amount of ground balls. He's 69% rostered. Could be available. And correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, because I don't see him in your two-star pitcher rankings, but he pitched today, well, on Thursday, and then they've got three games this weekend. They got seven games next week. So it sounds like he would line up for Tuesday. And with seven games, I think he would have two starts. And he's well, they go- have a doubleheader Tuesday. So gotcha. gener- you, you get an extra roster spot in a doubleheader. They're going, they're going sure. to need an extra pitcher at some point next week. So I assume it's going to be that extra roster spot for the doubleheader itself, which would uh, bump Cueto to Wednesday unless they decide to reorganize. Sure, that makes their sense. Their rotation and uh, and have Cueto go ahead of uh, who who's pitching the doubleheader actually Lance Lynn. I, I think they just stick with the same turn order and go with Lynn because obviously Lynn has plenty of catching up to do with the innings. So I don't think Cueto is going to be a two star pitcher. Nonetheless, I have him as a sleeper pitcher for next week because even though he allowed eleven hits in this start, he is still only once allowed more than three earned runs in a start. And he gets the Royals next week, regardless of whether it's part of a doubleheader or not. And so I remain skeptical, but month as, as the months go by, you become a little more a little more open-minded to what you're seeing, I guess. And particularly against an offense like the Royals, I think I think it's okay to roll the dice on Cueto continuing this this streak of his. In deeper leagues, Chris Bubich quietly has turned in four straight quality starts. He was up against the Red Sox here on Thursday. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts in this one. His overall ERA is 5.27. His last four starts, 2.42 ERA, 20 strikeouts over 26 innings pitched. Obviously, not a great ratio there. 47% ground ball rate, 10.6% swinging strike rate. Those are solid, and they could potentially play in uh, in Kaufman, which is a bigger ballpark he's nine percent rostered the problem next week the the matchups are the White Sox who are very good against lefties and the Dodgers so I don't think I want to start him there Scott but in deeper leagues 
you know, like 15 teamers or, or deeper. I might add Bubic just to see where this goes because he's on a bit of a run right now. Well, good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of confidence in Bubic. And like, I'm really particular about what starting pitchers I choose in a categories league, which is what you're generally talking about in a 15 team league. You're talking about a roto league, obviously, head to head. It's hard to have an odd number of teams like that. And like, you know, if, if, if you're having to go this deep in the starting pitcher well, I think you're better off just uh, just starting a reliever of some kind, even if it's not a closer. Uh, but it kind of depends. You know, we're at the point in the season where you could start really emphasizing the categories you need most. And you're, if, if your best chance to make up ground is in wins and or strikeouts, then you know you might have to risk it a little more with a pitcher like Bubich. Not that he's going to help much in strikeouts, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah, I guess wins is all we're talking about. And you know how many of he, those he has this year? Did he get one today? I don't know if he actually wound up with the win in the start. Uh, he, he did not. He has two not. wins. Ah, that's not great. <laughs> so I don't even like, <laughs> if you're chasing wins and strikeouts, what good is Chris Bubich even going to do for you? Probably not a lot. Yeah. So no, I'd, I'd, no, I'm not there with Bubich. All right. Now, if it's a, if it's a deep points league, that's different. Cause you know, you just, you just kind of need to find volume wherever you can, uh, but not not for a Roto League. That's a good point that you bring up about realizing what categories you can actually move up in this time of year and, and which ones are the easiest to move up. Like Chris and I did a podcast about this during the All-Star break where we talked about how it's really hard to make up ground in the ratio stats this time of year, but the volume ones, you know, strikeouts, wins, saves... Yeah, even steals and home runs. Like if those are all kind of bunched up, then you know, just take note of that and realize, okay, like this is the easiest category to move up and just figure out which ones you want to chase. So I agree, Scott. Like I don't think that Chris Bubich is going to give you many strikeouts or wins, but uh, if you are chasing those volume stats, it makes sense to just kind of stream two star pitchers in those deeper leagues at this point. Waiver wire hitters, Alec Boom. We talk about him a lot. I don't know how much more we need to talk about him, but I'll mention he hit another home run here on Thursday. He went one for two. That was a shortened game. They uh, finish it up in five innings there because of the rain. It was a three-run shot for him. His last 40 games, he's batting 363, four homers. I realized four homers over 40 games. It's like a 16 home run pace over a full season, so not great. But counting stats are good. 23 runs, 24 RBI. He's making contact. He's hitting the ball hard. And we know third base is not very good, Scott. Last 28 days, he's the eighth best third baseman in Roto. And this kind of caught me by surprise. Eighth best in Roto, 16th in head-to-head points. It seems like Bohm would be better as a points league player because he makes contact and, you know, he hits some doubles. Um, Well, he he never walks. That's fair. Um, But yeah, yeah, he's a top 16 third baseman either way in, in both formats the last 28 days. So 28. Okay. So you're kind of, you're kind of throwing a bunch of different numbers out there. So first you were talking 40 games. Yeah. So I looked at that. It's an arbitrary endpoint as Chris likes to say, but that's really kind of when he got hot. But if you go to yeah. CBS and you sort by, you can really just sort by seven, 14, 21 or 28 days. So, okay. So I, I want to change your perspective a little bit on this because, sure. okay. The second number you use the 28 days, we add, we add this latest game, uh, Thursday, it becomes 29 games, let's say. 29 games, forget days. 29 games. Okay, you were saying he has four home runs over his last 40 games, and that's a 16-homer pace and not great. 
Those four home runs have also happened over his last 29 games. Okay, that looks Which a little bit better. Which becomes a better pace. Yep. He's also batting about 400, I think over 400 now, over that 29-game stretch is Bohm with those four home runs. And, uh, I, I mean, I look at the data for that. The thing is, Alec Bohm hits the ball hard anyway, but his average exit velocity is up about one mile per hour during that 29-game span. His launch angle is up about three degrees not a dramatic increase but an increase for both of them that the exit velocity and the launch angle and it's turned him into this 400 hitting guy with good enough power seemingly i mean maybe there is a critical threshold there where some natural skills that we've been able to appreciate even when the numbers didn't even when they weren't reflected in the numbers uh, maybe they are able to play up now no, we're, we're talking a small sample and we're talking about slim margins. So I'm still kind of an Alec Bohm pessimist, I would say. But there does seem to be a path to success here if, if he can hold some of these marginal gains, I guess. And I don't mind writing him as the hot hand. I mean, if it's versus him or... If it's him versus Jose Miranda, I'm definitely taking Miranda, but I think that I think a yep. separation is developing between how available they are be- between their roster rates. Yeah. So I updated the rankings earlier in the week. Jose Miranda, I moved up to my 11th ranked third baseman. You're in a similar spot. You have him 12th. So uh, we're pretty aggressive there in Miranda. I moved Alec Bohm up to 17th. So ahead of names like Josh Donaldson and Max Muncy and K. Brian Hayes, Patrick yeah. Wisdom. So yeah, that's fair. I, I'd be I all right. That high. I'd be all right dropping any of those names for for Alec Bohm. You know, the one that's interesting, Scott, and I have them back to back right now is Alec Bohm versus Miguel Vargas. <laughs> the problem for Vargas is he comes out has a great debut on Wednesday, like two for four, double, doesn't strike out, steals third base, look great, doesn't yep. play on Thursday, and sounds like Chris Taylor could be back this weekend. So just another name to kind of muddy the waters. If you need someone to actually play, I, I think I prefer Bohm just because I don't know what the playing time is going to look like for Miguel Vargas. Yeah, I, I'd like to get more excited about Vargas because I think he's going to have a terrific major league career. I mean, just the way he looks at the plate reminds me of Miguel Cabrera when he first broke into the league and like the hitting instincts and and just the bat skills are... You know, all the scouting reports have said they're off the charts for this guy, Miguel Vargas. I I know it it's always foolish to to make a comp to a player that high end, but I do think Miguel Vargas could be very, very high end in fantasy. Uh he has a, a little bit of a speed element there too. Don't expect him to be a big base dealer, but maybe he could make a Manny Machado like contribution in that category, which would be enough to help set him apart. So, like, I, I want to get excited for this promotion, but yeah, I agree. It just doesn't seem like the Dodgers are that committed to playing him, and they can't, they're not going to keep him around to sit on the bench. And, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's likely this is a short stay for him, even though, even though they added him to the 40 man roster to get him on the active roster. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The, I, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you got to figure Justin Turner, Max Muncy are bringing them down and, and they'll bench them or something. 
uh, but they haven't they haven't seemed motivated to do that yet. And for what it's worth, I mean, Muncy, he's his batting average is terrible, but he is getting on base at like a three twenty clip, which isn't terrible. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I I'm not I'm not. I'm I'm not as especially optimistic or even hopeful that Vargas is going to be making a significant fantasy impact this year. All right, let's move over to some other waiver wire hitters. A uh, pair of teammates here, the Oakland A's. Ramon Laureano went two for five with his 12th home run. The batting average has slowed down quite a bit for him, but the power and the speed has been there. 10 homers, three steals over his last 30 games. He's 57% rostered. And his teammate, Seth Brown, two for two with three walks, a sock and a shoe here on Thursday. His 16th home run, his eighth steal, very low-key, eight steals for Seth Brown. Did not know he had that in his skill set. In 11 games, <laughs> Post-All-Star break, Seth Brown is hitting 400 with six homers. He's 30% rostered. They've got six games next week. Only one lefty on the schedule. So maybe Seth Brown only plays five games. But, uh, Scott, I would say Loriano more for 12-teamers, Seth Brown more for deep league players. What do you think about those two? Yeah, I I think that's fine, the the assessment of both. Obviously, you have to you have to factor in lefty righty versus Brown, or how many righties are on the schedule. And you looked at that for next week. I, I don't love the A's matchups for next week to begin with. For uh, a six game slate, they have Shohei Otani, and then three good Astros pitchers in those six games. So I, I'm not especially high on Loriano and Brown for next week in particular. But in a five outfielder league. You know, Loriano might be somebody who's hard to remove regardless of the matchups. And then Brown, you know, that that's a deeper league play, but not a bad one. All right, let's move over to some other teammates. Any interest in the new Mets? Tyler Naquin had a double dong here on Thursday, both off of Kyle Wright. Sorry, Scott. 14% rostered is Tyler Naquin. And then Daniel Vogelbach went two for four with his 14th homer. Back-to-back games with a home run for Vogelbach. He's 11% rostered. So both are widely available, probably more so deep league plays. And they've got six games next week, two lefties on the schedule. So could be looking at only four games played for each. What do you think about Naquin and Vogelbach? Yeah, I don't see them as being all that useful in fantasy either because Vogelbach's going to sit for Darren Ruff against lefties. They've It's a nifty platoon at DH that the Mets have acquired here. I think both players are kind of underrated. It, you know, they, they provide nothing defensively, so it makes sense that they're at DH. But as hitters, they're kind of underrated, Vogelbach and Ruff. But uh, if they're splitting the job like that, I, I don't think they're going to be particularly valuable except in deeper leagues. And, and Naquin, I'm not even sure he's going to play consistently against righties, much less lefties. Because when he starts, that means that means Mark Canna's sitting in all likelihood. And you know, Canna's still pretty good contributor to that offense, a good on-base guy. Better than Naquin, certainly. So, uh, And I believe his splits are much better against righties, even though he's a right-handed hitter. So I, I don't think that's even going to be a clear platoon with Naquin. I think he's just going to be an occasional starter. Okay. How do you rank these three in the deeper league? Seth Brown, Naquin, and Vogelbach? I would go... Brown, Vogelbach, Naquin. And you are right about Mark Canna. This season against righties, 295 batting average, 792 OPS, 
against lefties, 223 and 646. So I agree. I'm not exactly sure how the playing time is going to shake out there for both Naquin and Mark Canna. Just a name to add in deeper leagues this weekend. Keep your eye on him in standard size leagues as well. Someone I know you like quite a bit, Scott. Michael Massey went one for four with his first stolen base. Uh, The Royals are 11th in steals this season, and they've routinely been aggressive on the base paths over really the past decade. Uh, Good have something to do with the players that they've had on their teams, but I do think they're going to let Michael Massey run. He's 8% rostered. He's got seven home games next week. So I've already put claims in like my 15 team leagues where I need speed, need a middle infielder. And I think that makes perfect sense. And again, Oh, I already, I already had him stashed in a couple. Oh, look at this guy. Yeah, and now I, you bring up the speed and yeah, he could contribute some stolen bases. I, I think being on the Royals helps with that as you point out, but that's, that's not the main thing Michael Massey will bring to the table. I think he's just, I think he's a great hitter who also happens to seal some bases. And, uh, you know, just, just look at the numbers in the minors the last two years. He hasn't gotten a lot of prospect attention because he's a 24-year-old and he was in A ball as a 23-year-old last year. Uh, his, his professional career was delayed by a back issue. And so I think, I think, uh, He's always kind of been old for his level of competition because of that, but he has he has thermally, thoroughly dominated at every stop and and quickly moved up the ladders and now he's a a starter in the major leagues and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Michael Massey makes a big impact over the final two months. All right, last piece that I wanted to get to before we hit the break. Joe Musgrove. He is going through a bit of a rough patch right now. He allowed a season high six earned runs against the. The Road Rockies. This game was in San Diego. What's going on? Four and two-thirds, eight hits, six runs. He did have six strikeouts to one walk. Still had 14 swinging strikes in this start. Seems like he might have been a little bit unlucky. I I know he gave up a home run to Ryan McMahon, but he had a 500 BABIP against Joe Musgrove did. He allowed two hard hit balls. 83.5 mile per hour average exit velocity against. 500 BABIP? (laughs) Seems a little bit unlucky for him. Um... His previous start was strong, but his last four starts in general, 7.29 ERA. And he did slow down a little bit in the second half last year, Scott. So does this concern you at all, this kind of recent rough patch for for Joe Musgrove? Not really. It's taken his ERA from, uh, where was it? Okay, it's taken his ERA from 209 to 3, and even 3. You know, all the expected stats say his ERA should be closer to about three. So this is this is sometimes how regression manifests. Like he had a share of luck early in this earlier in the season, and so yes, I agree. This looks like he had some bad luck in this start, but luck tends to even out, and uh, that's part of regression as well. And I think that's all we're seeing with Musgrove. Uh, and it's kind of a. Uh, it's kind of a, a macro phenomenon that you know doesn't mean oh he's going to be unlucky in his next start too because it's got to even out. That's not really how it works. I think I think you continue to use Musgrove as you always have and and just understand that these starts are are going to happen sometimes. All right, before we hit the break, fantasy baseball today is here to help you dominate your league all season long. But now you can represent your favorite podcast with official fantasy baseball today gear only found on the CBS Sports Store. Discover T-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pine glasses, hats, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop. 
to crush the competition. Right now, Fantasy Baseball Today listeners will get 20% off orders when they use this podcast exclusive code, Fantasy Baseball 20 during checkout. That's Fantasy Baseball 20 and the link store.cbsports.com slash collections slash Fantasy Baseball Today and shop now. The link is in the episode description on YouTube as well. It's kind of a long link. And if you want to hear the latest on top prospects, you can listen to our Saturday episode of Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. It's our five-minute podcast. Download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. Let's take a break and we'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes. Bryce Harper is targeting a September return from his fractured left thumb injury. Could help us down the stretch when we need him most. Mike Trout started rotational work on Wednesday with the goal of building him back up to the point that he's able to swing a bat. That phrasing, Scott, just doesn't sound great to me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just taking it out of context, but just started rotational work so that he can swing a bat. I don't know. Hopefully I'm wrong and Mike Trout returns, but... I I don't feel very optimistic. They shut him down last year. Would not surprise me if they shut him down once again. Clayton Kershaw exited his start on Thursday after his lower back locked up on him. He'll undergo medical testing on Friday. Has long dealt with back injuries. Hopefully it's not anything too serious. Julio Rodriguez is on track to return from the IL when first eligible next Wednesday, but we'll keep you up to date on that. His teammate Mitch Hanniger has a similar timeline. They said, Within the next week or so, Mitch Hanniger should be good to go. And if they're both returning, not exactly sure what that means for Jared Kelnick, but doesn't sound good. Oh, I think I know what it means. Ah, don't say that. I think he gets sent down again. <laughs> Come on, he homered off Garrett Cole. That has to mean he's good, right, Scott? Come yeah, on. he's he's also struck out a bunch. <laughs> ah, you're right. In case you needed more confirmation, there was a report that Spencer Strider does not have an innings cap this season and that the Braves have no immediate plans to shift him back to the bullpen, even with the addition of Jake Odorizzi something that Scott intimated earlier in the week as well. Whit Merrifield has been vaccinated and will be able to play in uh, Toronto in their upcoming games. I think they're a week out from returning back to Toronto. He was batting eighth and playing center field in his Blue Jays debut on Thursday. He went two for five with a run and an RBI. Also had three strikeouts, which is not very characteristic for him. So he played center field, which meant George Springer played DH, which meant... Alejandro Kirk had to catch and Kirk has not been their primary catcher. He's been uh, their backup catcher in primary DH. So obviously they want to keep Kirk's bat in the lineup. I don't know if they're going to be willing to play him a catcher that regularly. I bring this up because I still don't know that Whit Merrifield's going to play all that regularly. Uh, Santiago, Santiago Espinal would seem like the, the easier player to remove from the lineup, but he was technically an all-star this year. And, you know, if you're, if you're leaving stolen bases out of it, which is mainly what we care about from Merrifield and fantasy, of course, if you're leaving those out of it, the numbers, you know, they, they, they kind of favor Espinal too. So, um, 
yeah, still pretty worried about Merrifield's prospects in Toronto, even if he is now legally allowed to play for his home team. All right. Ozzy Albies played catch on Wednesday and should be able to return by late August. That's the hope. Gene Segura was rated, reinstated from the IL on Thursday. He was batting seventh in the Phillies lineup. Dustin May will require at least two more rehab starts, which puts him in line to return maybe two weeks from now. He built up to 62 pitches in his third rehab outing on Wednesday. I'll point out, if Clayton Kershaw has to go on the IL, <laughs> Dustin May may be here sooner than the two weeks that they're kind of talking about right he now. He may. Cardinals he may, may not. May, 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 may not. Yes. How many times can we say it's good? I don't know. That was the first time. <laughs> may, may, lots of mays. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol said that Jack Flaherty will throw a bullpen session this weekend and could be cleared to begin a rehab assignment as soon as next week. Edward Cabrera was activated by the Marlins and likely to start Friday against the Cubs. He is 48% rostered. Scott, how aggressive are you looking to add Edward Cabrera? I am not looking to add him that aggressively, but I mean, compared to some of the other pitchers we've talked about, maybe like there's definitely upside there for Cabrera. He hasn't, he hasn't been very consistent in the sporadic major league looks he's gotten. So I'm not, I'm not especially optimistic it's going to be different this time. I'd kind of rather see and react and then maybe add him. But I guess it depends how deep the league is, what you're, you'd be dropping instead. If, it's, if the choice is him and Jeffrey Springs, then i probably stick with Springs. I agree, but it's close. It's yeah. close. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see what else we have here. Do, 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 do. Chris Taylor could return at some point this weekend, which we mentioned earlier. Lance McCullers will make his fourth rehab start Sunday at AAA. He built up to 76 pitches in his most recent outing. Rangers third base prospect Josh Young will progress to playing third base for the next six to 10 days in the Arizona Complex League before joining a minor league affiliate. Scott, do you think we will see Josh Young with the Rangers at some point this season? He's 16% rostered. I think there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, he was he was trending toward being the opening day third baseman before he suffered that fracture in his foot. So I, I think there's a chance. They may just hold off to next year, though. I don't know. I don't have a clear idea, but there's a chance. You know, I just realized this doesn't happen often, but it does happen. I completely missed a game on the schedule on Thursday. Oh, man. Because we were talking about waiver wire pitches, and I was like, didn't Jose Quintana make his debut? I was like, yeah, he did. And he pitched really well. So I'm just going to interrupt everything and just ask okay. you what you thought about Jose Quintana's debut with the yeah. Cardinals. He went six innings, one run, only one hit allowed, two walks, and seven strikeouts up against the Chicago Cubs. He is widely available, too. So uh, like, where does he compare? I don't know. Rank these four. Stroman, Springs, Quintana, Edward Cabrera. Stroman Springs Cabrera Quintana. Mm -hmm. Though Quintana may prove to be more useful than Cabrera, I'll, I'll take a little stab at the upside there because I don't think I don't think Quintana. You know, I I, I think he's going to be pretty fringy still. I like that he went six innings in his first start for the Cardinals. I was hoping maybe they'd ride him a little harder than the Pirates did, but he still threw only eighty four pitches. So it may have just been that he was so ridiculously efficient he was able to last six innings when normally he wouldn't. This was 
this was only the sixth time all year he's gone six innings. So that that would still be an issue. If that would still be an issue with the Cardinals, just like it was with the Pirates. Okay. He's 40% rostered. Jose Quintana is Sparp eligible for those who play in points league. So I think that could be massive down the stretch in that format. And the only issue that I see is next week he's at the Rockies. So even if you add him, I don't think that you want to put him in your lineup. Again, that is Jose Quintana. Uh, and I will point out that one day after completely ripping Tommy Edmond, talking about how much we've dropped him in the rankings yesterday, Chris and I did. Uh, he goes three for five with his 22nd stolen base and two RBIs. So boom, take that, Frank and Chris. Tommy Edmond is back. Jordan Montgomery will make his Cardinals debut on Saturday against who? The Yankees, of course. Luke Voigt was batting third in his Nationals debut. He went two for three with a run and RBI. He is 51% rostered. He's got six games next week. Uh, Scott, you know, I've heard different people talking about Luke Voigt. What do you think? I mean, obviously, the Nationals lineup is terrible, but he undoubtedly should play every single day with this team. Well, he was with the Padres, too. Yeah. More or less. So I don't, I don't think much of Luke Voigt at this point. It's been pretty ugly this year. He'll come through with the occasional home run, but he's he's been striking out too much, and now he's in a worse offense. So, not not, not much positive to say about Luke Voigt at this point. Alrighty, Didi Gregorius was released by the Phillies with Bryson Stott taking over as their primary shortstop. Eric Hosmer was batting sixth for the Red Sox in his debut. He went zero for three with a walk. Brian Bayo was placed in the IL with a groin strain. Aaron Savali will begin a rehab assignment at AAA on Friday. Eduardo Rodriguez will make a rehab start at single A on Saturday. He has not pitched uh, in a start since May. Mike Soroka expected to pitch in simulated games soon. Could be back in September. And Cole Calhoun was placed in the IL with right heel irritation, which brings us to just a few prospect call-ups, Scott, that I wanted to get your opinions on, if you have any. Uh, for the Rangers, I guess that corresponding move with Cole Calhoun going on the IL. They called up outfielder Bubba Thompson, who in the minors this season was batting 303 with 13 homers, 49 steals. He's a fringe top 30 Rangers prospect. He did have some solid power and speed in 2021 as well. And just a few other names here. The Marlins are calling up Peyton Burdick. He is an outfielder, uh, 14 home runs, eight steals in the minors this season. Lots of strikeouts, only a 229 batting average. Uh, the Rangers also called up a pitcher, Cole Reagans, who made his debut on Thursday. And he was solid. Five innings, one earned run, three strikeouts. And uh, he's having a really good year in the minors. So anything on those, you know, I guess, borderline prospects, Scott? Bubba Thompson, Cole Reagans, and Peyton Burdick. Yeah, I mean, if, if Thompson gets enough playing time, he could factor in those formats where stolen bases are so precious. He could be a specialist for those, I think. It remains to be seen how much he's going to play. But yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. If, if, if stolen bases are in high demand in your format, Thompson's somebody to know. Uh, I'm, I'm also kind of interested in Cole Reagans. He is a former first-round pick who I believe had Tommy John surgery twice on his way to the majors and finally stayed healthy long enough to put it all together in the minors this year between double and triple A, a 304 ERA, 112 whip, 10.7 K per nine. Obviously, I'm not rostering him to the extent I am those other pitchers we were talking about, Springs and Quintana and whoever else, Stroman. 
But uh, let's keep an eye on Reagans because he could eventually reach that point where he is worth rostering. All righty, let's move into the Week 19 preview. Finally, the schedule. It's pretty normal for next week. Four teams with five games, the Dodgers, the Twins, the Rays, and the Brewers. We have 20 teams with six games and six teams with seven games. Some fringe two-star pitchers for next week. What do we do with these names? And we will start things off with Zach Gallen, Scott, who has the Jekyll and Hyde matchups. He's versus the Pirates and at the Rockies for next week. So before I answer, let me first point out there are only 26 two-star pitchers. Normally, there's about 40. There are only 26 this week. There are a lot of off days. And so I think you have to, you, you can't afford to be that picky about your two-star options. I think Zach Gallen, the only reason you'd hesitate to, to start him in a two-star week is because one of them's at Colorado. That, that Pittsburgh start will hopefully more than make up for it. So I, I think you just roll with them, given the, especially given the lack of alternatives. All right. The, the one right below him, kind of similar setup here. Well, actually, Miles Michaelis doesn't even have a good matchup next week. He's at the Rockies, and he's at home against the Brewers. So what do you think about that? Yeah, but he's got a sub-3 ERA and a sub-1 whip. So sure. I think you just continue to roll with him when he's making two starts. Lance Lynn got back on track on Wednesday and does have good matchups next week at the Royals and versus the Tigers. Yeah, I was kind of... You know how I tier my two-star pitcher rankings every week? I have the the must-starts all formats, and then I have what I call sleepers and questionables. And it would seem like Lance Lynn would be a questionable. I mean, he did have a good outing last time, but you know, overall it's been a struggle since he returned from the IL. I decided to go ahead and put him in must-start all formats, both because, because there are so few two-star pitchers to choose from and the matchups are so good, the Royals and the Tigers. And uh, the same goes for Jose Urquidy and Blake Snell. I would normally be inclined to call them slightly less than must-start, you know, maybe shallow leagues, maybe leagues where you're looking to preserve ratios. You you don't automatically start them in the two-start week. But Urquidy's been on this quality start streak, and he gets the Rangers and Athletics this week. And Blake Snell, you know, come up four walks, Combined in his last three starts uh, with a couple double-digit strikeout efforts in there, he seems to be on a nice run. San Francisco is his first matchup, but Washington is his second. And again, any two-start pitcher you can put in your lineup this week is going to give you a nice leg up because of the limited number. Well, let's see if you really mean any two-star pitcher because I've got... I've got Jamison Tyone, who is at the Mariners and at the Red Sox next week. What do you think about that? I'd leave that one for points leaks. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right. Those are like the fringe ones that I found here, Scotty. The two-star pitchers that you're looking to stream for next week, who do you have there? Braxton Garrett. Of course. Of course. Now, this will be a good test for him because he, you know, after... His last two starts were against Cincinnati. His previous two were against Pittsburgh. So four favorable matchups in a row, even if it was twice two team, the same team in a row. Phillies and Braves are his matchups this week. So much tougher, but it is a two-star week. And he has pitched as well as he has recently. So give me Braxton Garrett. Also, Brady Singer. 
He gets the White Sox. He gets the Dodgers. Opposite ends of the spectrum there. But I don't think you're going to do much better off the waiver wire if you're looking for a two-start option than him. Uh, okay, so these others, I, I'd be more inclined to use in points leagues than categories, and they include Alex Wood who wasn't so great last time out, but has been a little better in general, and he still has good underlying numbers. San Diego and Pittsburgh are his matchups this week. James Caprillion's been on a roll. Don't entirely trust it, but he's only 16% rostered. Angels and Astros are his matchups this week. So again, one really good, one not so good. Graham Ashcraft, he doesn't quite make the cut on my two-start I'm sorry, he doesn't quite make the cut on my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this week because there are a lot of good one-start choices. But Graham Ashcraft gets the Mets and Cubs and is coming off a great start against the Marlins. Yusei Kikuchi gets the Orioles and Guardians. And he's pitched better of late, though not very deep into games. And Keegan Thompson gets the Nationals and Reds. Those are two pretty good matchups for him. Not the most reliable pitcher, but he's, he's... you know, he's delivered his fair share of quality starts this year. All right. That brings us to Fortune Favors the Brave. Two-star pitcher for next week. You should not use this pitcher. And, Scott, there is one that is just <laughs> screaming out to me. That really? is like the most obvious Fortune Favors mm. the Brave two-star pitcher of all time. Would you like to steal mm. him from me? Or do you have someone else in mind? I don't know who you're talking about. Mm. So who will, who do you want to choose first? I'll let you choose. Nobody. <laughs> there's, there's 26. I've already yeah. I've already stretched things further than I normally would to get more to get more recommendations in there. I am not sure who you're talking about, but I am going to say I mean my next ranked guy beyond the ones I listed is Jordan Lyles against the Blue Jays and Rays. I don't think that's who you're talking about though. No. But that's who I'll pick. Maybe you did mention him. Maybe I, I don't know. Is it Yusei Kikuchi? Hey, oh, it's, it's Yusei Kikuchi. Oh, you weren't listening to me. Oh, Come man. On. I'm sorry, Scott. I no, apologize. He's, but he's, he's too good. That, to I mean, no. Say dude. he's a fortune favors the brave. Pick. I don't, like, he's looked good in his first two starts back. There is nothing scarier than starting Yusei Kikuchi, man. Oh, like, I'll, I'll agree with that. It but. is very scary. You've got to be pretty brave to start Yusei Kikuchi. So the matchups yeah. are solid at the Orioles and, and against the Guardians, but. I don't, oh, <laughs> I don't think it's crazy to start Yusei Kikuchi with those matchups. And usually with the fortune favors, the Braves pick. We're getting crazier than that. So. All right. So the but other, the other one I'll give him, you. Fair enough. The other one I'll give you is Kyle Bradish, who has pitched well two starts back from the IL. Uh, but the matchups, one against the Blue Jays at Tampa Bay. You might be able to like squint and talk yourself into it, but you probably shouldn't because it's Kyle Bradish. Some single start streamers for next week. Scott, you mentioned we have some good names here. Who you got? Yes. So a lot of the guys we've been talking about in this section before, they just happen to have good matchups again. That includes Wash. Uh, that includes Marcus Stroman, who's going against Washington, who now is running a Triple A lineup out there every day without Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Nick Lodolo should stay hot against the Cubs. So should Hunter Green. Josiah Gray hasn't been hot, but. He's he's capable of deliverance of bangers, you know, missing a lot of bats. As long as he keeps the ball in the ballpark and he gets that Cubs matchup as well. So I like him. 
Uh, Jonathan, Johnny Cueto, we talked about earlier, he's going against the Royals next time and has been reliable for reasons I can't understand. And I also like Kyle Gibson against the Marlins because I like most anybody against the Marlins these days, particularly someone who's capable of taking on the volume that Gibson is. He did just start against the Marlins a few turns ago. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it went very well. And I think it will again. Most starts against the Marlins tend to go really well. So that makes sense to me uh, as well here. Let's slide over to the hitters, the best hitter matchups for next week. The Diamondbacks, the White Sox, the Rockies, the Orioles, and the Angels, the worst hitter matchups. Phillies, Twins, Royals, Rangers, and the Rays. With that being said, Scotty, who are your sleeper hitters for week 19? It's not good. I'll start with that. It's not good. It's, it's great. No, it's not good. <laughs> it's it's getting really hard to find hitters I can recommend who happen to have the right matchups and who happen to be less than ros- rostered in less than 80% of CBS Sports Leagues. And I have to have a cutoff somewhere, so that's that's going to remain the cutoff. But Trey Mancini, his first game at his new home, Minute Maid Park, he homered. It, it would not have been a home run at Camden Yards. And he, he'd probably have twice as many home runs as he does this year if he hadn't spent all that time at Camden Yards. That's what the data shows. So all six of his games next week are in Camden Yards. Now, there, even with him, there's the question of how much is he going to play because it sounds like he's not going to play much outfield. And so unless Jordan Alvarez is playing the outfield, that could create a playing time situation between Mancini and Yuli Gurriel. Mancini was out of the lineup Thursday. So not sure how that's going to go. But I like that he's going to be at home. And it does sound like he'd be more likely to play left field when they are home, since it is such a small left field. Okay. I like the Diamondbacks matchups this week, as you mentioned, Frank. They get the Pirates for four games. They're at Coors Field for three games. So I have Josh Rojas here. I have Alec Thomas here. And Thomas, I want to emphasize, is much better against right-handed pitchers than left-handers. All seven of the pitchers on the schedule right now are right-handers for the Diamondbacks. Plus, Thomas has shown some signs of life recently. As you mentioned, Frank, I have the Orioles as the fourth best matchups for this week. Jorge Mateo's been hot, so I think he's a good play. Ramon Arias has cooled off, but I still think with these matchups uh, and his versatility is not a bad choice for this week. Uh, I'll also recommend Jaron Duran for this week because all six of the pitchers currently on the schedule for the Red Sox are right-handers, so you don't have to worry about Duran sitting. He hasn't hit so well of late, but that's about as good as I could do this week. I even have... Gosh, in the top 10 sleeper hitters for this week, I even have Luis Renjifo. Well, I mean, that just feels gross to recommend him, but <laughs> he's been hitting pretty well late and can steal some bases. So, And uh, Trent Grisham I have on here as well. The Padres matchups aren't even that great. They're pretty middle of the road. Yeah, they're not terrible. But he's he's been hitting a little better of late. And, uh, and yeah, the matchups, the matchups could be worse. 
So that's where we are with sleeper hitters for this week. Sorry, I can't do any better than that. Yeah, you know, Scott, you, I think you're selling this list short, man. I, I am really in on Alec Thomas. I think he's going to have a monster week next week. I, oh, I really, come on. I think he's going to go off. Has he I'm, ever had a monster week? Well, you know what? It's got to start somewhere, <laughs> right? So Alec Thomas, I think he's going to go off. I, I really like the okay. Orioles guys, as you mentioned as well. Luis Renjifo. Don't besmirch the name of the number three hitter in the Angels lineup, all right? Because <laughs> oh, I I will besmirch it till the cows come home. Uh, no, but seriously, I I don't think that list is so bad. So, uh, mm. Alec Thomas breakout. You heard it here first. Well, actually, you heard it from Scott first, but you heard it from me second. Some leftovers <laughs> from Thursday's action. Justin Verlander makes it seven straight quality starts. He was at the Guardians, six shutout with five strikeouts. Really didn't even have his best stuff, and still managed a quality start here. Uh, even better than a quality start, right? Like six shutout, like it's just a really good start. Uh, Carlos Carrasco turns in another quality start. He was up against the Braves, six innings, three runs, six strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes in the start. His last six starts, 1.50 ERA, 14% swinging strike rate for Carlos Carrasco. Alec Manoa now tied for second in baseball with 17 quality starts, six innings, two runs, five strikeouts, up against the Minnesota Twins, he lowers his ERA to actually no, he his ERA rises to two point four five in this start. Uh, anything you'd like to add on those three, Scott Manoa, Carrasco, Justin Verlander? I don't really have much to add. It is nice to see Carrasco delivering more consistent results because the data had him as a pretty big underachiever for most of the year. So. I guess he's back at a point where we can trust him. Mm-hmm. Carlos Carrasco, by the way, I moved him back inside my top 45 starting pitchers because he is pitching very well recently. I think he deserves it. Uh, we've got to mention Jansen Junk, right? I mean, perfect name. Six earned runs against the Oakland A's of all teams, right? So I saw a mm. couple of people in the chat before we started talking about how they streamed Jansen Junk. I'm sorry. That guy's junk. Sure is. Some hitting leftovers here. Uh, hopefully we can put the trade deadline behind us and get Wilson Contreras back on track. He went two for five in game one of their doubleheader uh, with his 15th home run of the season. Paul Goldschmidt hit his 26th home run of the season. Mookie Betts hit his 25th. Trey Turner hit his 18th. He has uh, three home runs over his last six games. Ryan McMahon had a big game. He went two for three with a double and his ninth home run. He added five RBI. Uh, he's had a very bad season, Ryan McMahon. 241 batting he's average. 720 OPS. He hits the ball very hard, though, Scott. 91.3 average exit velocity. That's he's had a very bad season, but he's still 84% rostered somehow. I was looking into yeah. him with the Rockies having a full week of home games. I'm like, yeah, maybe I could recommend McMahon. But, yeah. but for some reason, <laughs> people have not given up on him. That surprised me as well. Brandon yeah. Lau went three for five with his eighth home run. He had four hard hit balls in this game, three of which were at least 104 mile per hour exit velocity. In 14 games since returning, Brandon Lau is hitting 339, three homers, four doubles, just an 18% strikeout rate. You'll love to see it. Randy Rosarena, four for five with two RBI and his 21st steal. Ronald Acuna, that guy stinks. Just kidding. He went one for four with his ninth home run, his first homer since July 8th. So nearly a oh, month. Yeah. Hit off the apple in center field. It's been a while. It's been a while. Pete Alonso went two for four with his 29th homer. Reese Hoskins hit his 21st. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Scott, did you see this home run? I didn't, no. Please go to my Twitter feed and watch it because... Oh, I don't follow you on Twitter. 
Oh, that's messed up, dude. Uh, anyway, Vlad Jr., two for five, hit his 22nd home run. A laser. Laser. 115.4 mile per hour exit velocity. One of the hardest home runs I've ever seen. I, yeah, Stanton hits these you know, laser home runs as well. Judge the same. This one was crazy. It was one of the most impressive home runs I've ever seen from Vlad Jr., uh, the Angels flex their muscles and still lose, of course. They hit seven home runs, all seven of them, solo shots. Shohei Otani, a double dong. He's now up to 24. Taylor Ward hit his 14th. Jared Walsh hit his, hit his 14th. Joe Adele hit his fourth. Kurt Suzuki hit his third. Mickey Moniak hit his first home run with the Angels. Uh, and it was a big game for the Royals' bats as well. Salvi Perez, two for four with his 15th homer. He added four RBI. Uh, he's got four home runs in seven games since returning. MJ Melendez hit his 11th, and Bobby Witt Jr., two for four, his 21st steal of the season. The call to the bullpen, we've only got a few updates here. The Pirates with Will Crow unavailable. He pitched the last two days. Kind of looks like that's who's going to be filling in for David Bednar, him and Yerry De Los Santos. Matt Bush came in for the save in extra innings. He gave up two runs on two walks and a hit. He took his fourth blown save and second loss of the season. For the Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell gave up a run, picked up his 20th save, back-to-back days with a save for him. And then for the Mets, Edwin Diaz pitched the final two innings for his 24th save of the season. All right, Scott, time to get you talking here again because I just did way too much talking. To stream or not to stream, your favorite segment (laughs) on Friday. Oh, yeah. Justin Steele up against the Marlins, Mitch Keller at the Orioles, Dean Kramer versus the Pirates, Glenn Otto versus the White Sox, Zach Greinke versus the Red Sox, and Mad Bum versus the Rockies. Oh, gosh. Don't make me start any of these guys. But if you are going to make me start somebody, I will pick Mitch Keller at Baltimore. Mm, Justin Steele I don't think is very good, but the Marlins are very bad against left-handed pitching. So That's a good point. That's a good point. I think I could get behind that one. Yeah. Saturday, we've got Chris Flexen versus the Angels, JT Brubaker at the Orioles, Dane Dunning versus the White Sox, David Peterson uh, back for the doubleheader. He's back? A, uh, oh, for the doubleheader. Doubleheader, yep. He's going up against the Braves, Jake Odorizzi at the Mets, Nick Lodolo at the Brewers, Aaron Ashby versus the Reds, Domingo Herman at the Cardinals. Yes, this is very interesting, this list. I will say Nick Lodolo at Milwaukee. Tough matchup, but I think a good pitcher. And I will also say nobody. No, I mean, I guess, uh, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're just, if you're trying to cram as many strikeouts as you can in your lineup, Ashby against the Reds might be okay. Peterson against the Braves might be okay. That worked out well last time he faced them. And Brew Baker at Baltimore might even be okay. On Sunday, we have Spencer Watkins versus the Pirates, Cutter Crawford at the Royals, Adrian Sampson versus the Marlins, and Marco Gonzalez versus the Angels. Cutter Crawford at Kansas City. I think that'll be fine. Marco Gonzalez against the Angels. All four. It's always a little scary because he's either like he's either gonna give you like two earned runs in six and a third innings, or he's going to give you six earned runs in two and a third innings. But I'm I'm betting on the former against the Angels. I'm saying, Scott, that you could start all four on what? Sunday. Put them all in your lineup. Wow. Watkins up against the Pirates. He's pitching well. Good matchup. Adrian Sampson. Start anyone against the Marlins right now. That's honestly mm-hmm. how I feel. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
All right. Okay. It's fine. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. We'll